Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede Podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. Coming at you on a Tuesday as uh, we continue to kind of take stock of what was a really disappointing end to SMU's road trip up to Tulsa. A 28-24 loss to the Golden Hurricane and one that you look back on and when this team is remembered... It's probably the game that they're going to be remembered by in all likelihood, barring some incredible, miraculous way that they sneak into the AAC title game. They need a lot of help now. They certainly aren't going to get it from Cincinnati in all likelihood. But now they are way behind the eight ball in terms of getting in to the AAC title game. So SMU has two games left to play, Houston and East Carolina. And Tulsa still has quite a few games left to play, but the way Tulsa played, if they can continue that throughout the rest of the season, they're going to be tough to knock off the pedestal that they're on. And look, I I think you look at SMU going up with the halftime lead that they had and for them to collapse and to be a veteran team like they are and to be up 24 to seven at the half and, kind of have the performance that they had from the defense offense took advantage and to let it slip away and go scoreless in the second half is pretty unacceptable I I mean I think Sonny Dykes uh, said it best when he called it atrocious and pathetic uh, the way that SMU offensively played in the second half and there's a lot of blame to go around in a way I, I broke a lot of it down in the 10 at 10 that we dropped Monday night took a little bit more time with it I really wanted to kind of go deep into uh, that loss for SMU because obviously uh, it hurt I mean it it hurt uh, SMU's players it hurt uh, their their chances to have the season that they wanted to have and now I think the the question will be can they can they bounce back again like they did against after the Cincinnati lost after the Cincinnati loss and have the finish to the season that they didn't have last year. So after SMU's chances were ended by Navy, another road loss, another one possession loss on the road in November, SMU was able to finish out the season okay, the regular season at least, and then the bowl game was atrocious, obviously. This year, what will this team look like? What will they put together? Uh, The expectations were very, very high for this team going into the year and internally and externally with the amount they had coming back. They've had some key losses with TJ McDaniel and Reggie Robertson, but that was certainly a long time ago. And for them, but for, at the end of the day, for them to for them to not score in the second half is completely unacceptable at, with the with the pieces that they had. Um, I, I thought with the offensive line that they rolled out there, that wasn't a reason why they lost. Ulysses Bentley put together a 100-yard game. Uh, they only allowed two sacks of, of Shane Bouchelle. 
and only two quarterback hurries on the day. And while he might have been a little bit under, I would say, some duress at times and, and he wanted to get the ball out quick, it was a game plan that had a couple holes in it. It wasn't as bad as I thought when I rewatched the game. And the receivers at times didn't hold up their end of the bargain. Brutal penalties really cost SMU. And then quite honestly, and, and this is, I, I don't, it, Shane Bouchelle might say the same. This is probably the worst game he's played in an SMU uniform. Uh, to go 50% uh, passing, to throw an interception on that final drive, uh, to only have 200 yards, it was, uh, it was a game that you, if you're him, you probably want back a little bit. Because SMU, SMU played, they, they had good field position for most of the game. Bad shape in that regard. Uh, for the most part, and and uh, you know, I, I I think what Tulsa did in the second half wasn't any different than what they did in the first. I mean, it wasn't a great offensive performance at, at by any means uh, for for SMU. Uh, they, they they just it, just overall it was it was poor. It wasn't just the second half, but they were able to take advantage of uh, the the turnovers that the defense caused in the first half and to to put points on the board and but at the end of the day I I think this this game it it wasn't a a choke job and I kind of touched on this and I tried to say it in the best way I could it wasn't a choke job as much as it just was poor execution poor just mental errors on the on the side of the the offense I, I I think Look, yes, the defense gave up 21 points in the second half, but if you look at what they were able to do, they were a defense that it, it, Tulsa just put together great drives, and I think you got to give them credit. But at the, on the flip side, SMU's defense also got some key stops. They had the goal line stand, uh, but it, it, SMU's defense played well enough for them for them to win. I mean, and there's no doubt about that. I know 455 yards doesn't exactly. Uh, scream that but when you force two turnovers your offense puts 14 points on the board uh, they got a, a fair amount of pressure uh, on them three sacks on the evening I just felt like the defense played well enough for them to win and when we look back at at you know previewing this game a lot of what we talked about was was kind of spot on and and in the sense that SMU needed to start fast they did they needed to force some turnovers they did uh, Brandon Crosley interception return for touchdown. Elijah Chapman forcing that fumble. Uh, th- that was all big. Um, but the second half was what obviously sunk the ship. And that was kind of where I was surprised by it because it was almost a little little bit of a perfect storm. Obviously, the, the conditions were not ideal for SMU. I think they probably wanted uh, to take some shots down the field, but the 40-mile-an-hour wind sucks. That is what it is. It was for both teams. Neither team had many chunk plays for the most part. Uh, it wasn't a game where it was a track meet by any means. Uh, and for SMU, though, they just couldn't piece together that extra first down or finish uh, a drive. Uh, we saw a missed 50-yard field goal that obviously wouldn't have won the game by any means, but maybe puts a little bit of different pressure on Tulsa to score. And then you look at from there that 50-yard field goal miss. 
probably forced SMU's hand to go for it in two different scenarios, and it didn't work out. And then the final drive, Shane Bouchelle, after they pick up a first down, they've got a little momentum now. Shane Bouchelle throws an interception, which if you watch the play, I don't really know where it was going. So it was a, a disappointing game, and I think there are little areas where play calling probably could have been a little bit better. I think some of the in-game decision-making maybe could have been a little bit better. So if you're going to go for it on fourth and long at the 35, maybe do you do you punt? Do you have Shane you know, kind of roll it down there uh, and kind of flip the field and try to make them go 90 and then pick yourself back up good field position? Because in both of those scenarios, I'm pretty sure SMU got stops on the next drive. So after the turnover on downs, SMU was able to uh, to to get to get the ball uh, back, you know, relatively quickly. So it was, uh, yeah, downs both times. They ended up three and outs, and SMU just didn't didn't get anything done after that either, um, for the most part. And and that's kind of the the problem, and and that's where things went awry. Is is that they didn't finish drives, but at the same token, maybe they didn't have to go as far. If if, if you're not going to kick the field goal, maybe you try to flip the field one one of those times, and especially with a lead. But again, the defense stepped up with the stops; those weren't the issues. But eventually, Tulsa broke through uh, with with the game winning drive, and and that ended uh, with with about two eleven to go. Uh, there in the game, Esme got the ball back, and and then the interception happened to Zayvon Collins. So I, I think if you're SMU, I mean, one, and I said this a ten of ten. This isn't a situation where, if you look at SMU now, you got. I think there's always look worry in this conference. You have to bring it every week to win, but this isn't a team that all of a sudden now should drop its final two games and. Uh, lose and and totally fold. They they didn't do it last year when they were still learning how to win. Uh, they they finished out the regular season as best they could. It was the bowl game that obviously they stunk, which is a whole another different story, uh, completely. But you have two very winnable games. You have a Houston team that boat raced a, a horrible USF team, but who also got destroyed by Cincinnati. The game pretty much wasn't competitive. And then you have East Carolina who played Tulsa tough, played SMU tough last year. Um, but certainly has some of their own issues uh, to deal with. And that'll be uh, both you know, of SMU's last two games here are 11 a.m. kickoffs, uh, central time, uh, one at home at Ford Stadium and then uh, against you, uh, against Houston and then one on the road in, in Greenville against East Carolina. So they'll have to get up for that road trip. That'll be, a, that'll be an early kick. Uh, all those things, uh, they'll have to play a lot better probably than they played against uh, Temple with the 11 a.m. kick. But I, I think... You know, there's a lot of blame that, you know, you want to go around in, in a game like that. And it, for me, it's just at the end of the day, uh, they didn't get enough out of Shane Bouchelle. They didn't get enough out of their wideouts. And they made too many critical, uh, you know, penalties. That was, that was kind of the, the, the situation. Obviously, the, the interception to end the game is its own separate thing. But leading up to all of that, was all of those things that they just didn't get out, didn't get out uh, of of its offense. Um, like I said, I thought the defense played well enough. Uh, obviously, you you wish uh, SMU was able to make field goal. Uh, Tulsa had a, a missed field goal of its own, but anyway, um, 
I'm not going to spend too much more time on it. I just think it was pretty cut and dry. You know, Tulsa made plays in the second half. SMU couldn't, could not finish a drive. They couldn't finish one drive in the second half, and it cost them. They couldn't get one more first down to give Chris Nagara a better look at that field goal. They couldn't get one more first down at either one of those fourth down situations to extend the drive. And, and maybe Tulsa runs out of time because you pick up another first down. It just, it all fell apart, uh, and they didn't get one ounce of help, really, quite honestly, in the second half from the offense. And they put together some drives, but uh, it was all bad. When you don't score in the second half, there's no sugarcoating it. The offense wears that one uh, on its sleeve, I think, uh, with with the loss to Tulsa. So SMU falls to 7-2 and two on the year, still a 9 and potential 10-win season ahead of itself. Uh, maybe they get a miraculous win over uh, both, or excuse me, maybe they get a miraculous bit of help and make it to the AAC title game, but not looking so good right now for SMU. And they will have to right the ship, get back on track, and uh, finish strong. I, I think for a lot of these players that have been around for a while, uh, you, you look at Shane Bouchelle, you look at Kylan Granson, you look at uh, some of these offensive linemen, you look at some of the uh, linebacking core. These are guys that you they probably want to finish this thing the right way. I mean, it's just you don't want the the lasting taste in everyone's mouth to be this team was a top 25 team and then, you know, lost two of their last three regular season games and totally fell apart uh, because that would really overshadow, I think, a lot of the great things that this team's accomplished. It has not been pretty, but they've also been the most prepared team to actually play in covid Okay, to play in COVID, and they've gotten nine games in, which is something to be proud of. But uh, they should not really be proud. <laughs> they should not be proud at all of uh, what they put together, especially offensively in the second half against Tulsa. It cost them big, and uh, cost them a top twenty-five ranking, and cost them a shot at the AAC title game, which was all right in front of them. So the house of horrors in Tulsa continues for SMU. Still haven't won there since two thousand nine. They'll take another stab at it again in twenty twenty two, but be a very f- different football team on both sides. But look, I want to take a step back and now shift over to recruiting. Uh, a couple comments on some of the SMU targets I saw last week. I was able to see Travion Sneed out of Mineola uh, lead his team to a playoff win uh, and uh, m- you know move on. Uh, he'll actually play Dallas Madison this week and Jaylene Record uh, and his group over there. So two SMU commits set the face off this week. But Travion Sneed, I've played both ways. Uh, he was uh, really, really, really impressive. I mean, I think running the football, he was so physical. He was uh, he brought it uh, in a big way uh, for Mineola. Him and a uh, him and a uh, Jackson Pendergrass, who was all over the field. Uh, both of them really led the way for Mineola uh, at linebacker and a little bit of defensive end. Travion Sneed showed his physicality. I think that's the thing that. That's really stood out to me. Uh, he is not afraid to 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 hit, to to disrupt plays, uh, to stick his nose in there. He's got great size. Uh, physically, he looks ready to go. Uh, physically, and and he might not be like he might be a little bit more of the high school version, but he reminds me a little bit of Kamon Freeman in terms of how he looks physically. He's just got that size to him. So I've got some clips. I'm going to put together of him and his game. I'll have him posted on the site uh, pretty soon here. But uh, I, overall, I was impressed. I was, I was, I was 
looking at potentially being underwhelmed. But uh, he really showed a, a good bit of potential. I really believe that. I think he's a. I think he's very similar in a way to Richard McBride. I think he's he's physical. He reminds me a little bit of Delano Robinson too. He might not be as athletic as Delano, but he's kind of a true thumper. Somebody could play in the middle of this defense. I think overall uh, he's going to fit right in, uh, and he's going to add some size and physicality in the middle, which SMU definitely needs, especially. Uh, trying to stop the run in the future. And so uh, good pickup uh, for SMU as I look back at it now. Again, we'll post all uh, those uh, clips on the site here uh, relatively soon, probably Wednesday, hopefully, uh, for you guys. So saw Travion Sneed on Thursday night, and then I saw uh, Parish Episcopal versus Nolan Catholic on Friday night, and Parish kind of had the same thing happen to them that SMU had, but it was a lot worse in a way. Uh, Parish entered uh, the second half with a 14 nothing lead and then got – 31 unanswered put on them to lose and uh, cost them a district championship. So Preston Stone had a great first half, was really impressed with him, uh, threw a great deep ball, extended plays well, showed his athleticism, uh, had great command of the offense, uh, made checks. I I thought he was terrific. Um, Physically, he's ready to play. I mean, he is, he's a big guy. Um, He's not, you know, towering like 6'4", 6'5", but he is built really well um, and and built like uh, somebody that could step in and play right away if needed for SMU. Um, and then in the second half, uh, Nolan Catholic's defense just really got after Parrish a good bit. And um, you know, things really didn't go the right way for, for Parrish in that regard. Uh, Preston Stone uh, threw one down the seam and he kind of floated it. And I think he kind of thought that his guy would just you know, catch it and he had a step and all that, but the DB made a great play to come off of his man on the outside route and pick it off. And so maybe drive that in there a little bit more, kind of a relatively easy fix. Uh, he threw off his back foot a couple times. He's kind of got a little bit of a gunslinger mentality to him, but um, you know, that Nolan just, I think kind of wore them down uh, and really took over the game. So we'll see if they match back up in the playoffs and, and how Parrish responds, but uh, Preston Stone, you know, just didn't have uh, what he had going in the first half in the second half. Uh, Jaden Jones was awesome. Uh, he was all over the field. SMU's defensive end commit. He was all over the field, made multiple tackles in the backfield, uh, a couple sacks. Uh, he got hurt in the third quarter, returned to play, um, and, and still was, you know, fairly productive. He had a really, really good game. Austin Uke, uh, who SMU offered and a lot of people have really offered, and he's got the potential to be a, a really uh, highly rated guy for us here in the next rankings update. Uh, really, he had a, you can tell the talent is there. He needs to add more weight, I think. Uh, he was playing against a, a couple of really highly touted defensive ends for Nolan Catholic, held his own, played pretty well, moves very well, has long arms, really checked those boxes for me. Um, but again, he's just got to get in the weight room and get get stronger and do all of those things. And that's a that's a good thing. You want that uh, in your your offensive linemen that you recruit. You don't necessarily want them to be uh, already you know well north of of three hundred pounds. He's he's definitely in that six four uh, ish range, and then three hundred or so. Uh, or excuse me, he's about two hundred sixty five pounds. Um, I should say. Um, so I, anyway, I was impressed with him. Again, he's got to get stronger. Uh, he was. He just kind of drew some tough assignments, which it is what it is. When you're a little, when you're when you're lean and athletic, 
sometimes at the high school level you see it and you can say, okay, he's in front of him, he's keeping them in front of him, but he's getting pushed back. You know, the bull rush can kind of be an issue. Um, but he he did he has really good technique in my opinion. I mean, kept his arms locked out, uh, kept guys off of him for the most part. But yeah, that strength just needs to keep coming. Um, but you can really tell that uh, he's got some talent to him. And, uh, you know, he's a really, really good looking prospect. You see why so many people are uh, um, on him now. And then finally, I'll flip over to the basketball side of things uh, real quick. Uh, the early signing period started last week uh, and SMU signed both Zurich Phelps and Jalen Smith uh, to get their basketball early signing period class going. Uh, Zurich Phelps, top 10 overall prospect in the state of Texas, a really impressive point guard out of Duncanville that SMU uh, did a really nice job recruiting and got him signed early and, and all those things. And then Jalen Smith, the 6'5", uh, really two, almost a three guard uh, out of uh, Orlando Oak Ridge, that really good program out of there, each one teach one as well. Uh, he signed a really good defender. He's got a, a, just a ridiculous wingspan. So SMU adds a good bit of size in this early going of the of the early signing period. I know a lot of people want to talk about Aminu Muhammad, uh, the five-star prospect that uh, SMU is recruiting and, and really in the mix for at this point, uh, along with the likes of Maryland, Indiana, Georgetown, Alabama, LSU. There's a there's a lot of uh, pros, uh, pros, uh, excuse me, a lot of high major programs that are in on him. Uh, Georgia as well uh, has taken the crystal ball lead as of late. So SMU is trying to get him in at the early uh, as an early enrollee so he can get on campus uh, and get to work. Uh, he's also a potential G League guy, uh, which is something to watch as well. But uh, he would really round out this class in a big way. Uh, he'd obviously be somebody that could play right away uh, and step in uh, for SMU. And they do have the open scholarship to make it work. Uh, he would be just really perfect on the wing for SMU. And obviously a five-star prospect, SMU hasn't landed that since Emmanuel Moutier. Uh, Keith Frazier was in that range, didn't end up one. Uh, but, uh, you know, Aminu Muhammad um, would be a terrific land for Tim Jankovic. Yafet King leading the way on him. So we'll continue to kind of monitor how SMU wants to finish out the class. I think they do want to go Juco in the front court as well. But um, the non-conference schedule is out. We're just under really, uh, we're about a week away from SMU starting uh, its season, which kind of feels a little wild to me, but uh, we will, uh, you know, get the coverage going on the ponies and, and uh, we'll see what the basketball program has to bring as football season starts to wind down here. But uh, SMU going to be without URNA, going to be without Tyson Jolly for a bit, going to be without Darius McBride. Uh, so, They'll need to uh, find a way early on in this season, and and injuries once once again injuries and and um, you know little things around this basketball program continue to pack uh, pop up. So we'll see what Tim Jankovic and uh, the rest of uh, the staff and players come up with as uh, they open the season just about a week away. So with that, guys, going to wrap up this edition of the Pony Stampede Podcast. Thanks for listening. Appreciate everybody who's subscribing, rating, and reviewing the podcast. And uh, if you haven't already, check out 50% off annual subscriptions to Pony Stampede. Get you covered all the way pretty much through next football season. So check that out. It runs during this week. Good little early holiday uh, promo for you guys to uh, get you guys covered through, again, the rest of the year and uh, into the next. So with that, hope everybody has a great week. We'll check in on Friday with the game preview edition of the podcast. 
as SMU hopefully takes on Houston uh, this Saturday at 11 a.m. Central. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 